brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Hudson Belinsky. With me is Carlos Colazzo, and today we're going to talk about the NHSI, the National High School Invitational uh, which just wrapped up this past weekend in Cary, North Carolina, and uh, Carlos, it was it was a doozy. It was a good tournament. Yeah, this was an awesome tournament, Hudson. This is the first time I've really covered the tournament all the way through, and uh, I was on most of the bracket games this week. And it seems like every single game I covered was competitive. Uh, there were guys who are who are interesting prospect players doing well or or having impacts on the game. Uh, it was really exciting to see all these these high school players and, and watch a really competitive tournament this week. It was fantastic. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna break it down a little bit. We're gonna talk about some of the prospects, some of the top names, and we're also gonna talk about sort of the the horse race uh, of it a little bit. And Carlos, you mentioned that you were uh, you were able to uh, have eyes on a lot of those tournament games, those bracket games. The the champion uh, of this event was was the Orange Lutheran Lancers. Uh, and, and Carlos, about that team, what stuck out to you getting the chance to see them this week and, and seeing how they performed? Well, I didn't see them much until the championship game in the, in the semifinal matchup. But what really stuck out in the championship game was just the defense that this team played. Obviously, later in the tournament for, for a four-game or a four-day tournament for a high school team, the arms started to get challenged near the end. The depth is kind of challenged. But this was a 3-2 win for Orange Lutheran. It wasn't like... Uh, people were scoring runs left and right, and that had a lot to do with the defense that Lutheran played. Uh, left fielder Isaac Martinez came up with two huge throws from the outfield to cut down runners at the plate. Uh, Tristan Hanoyan, who's a senior shortstop, uh, he made a couple fantastic plays in the dirt, uh, in the hole, going to his to his right and picking a ball with his backhand and making a strong throw. And then really the final double play that ended that game and gave them the championship, a ball kind of hopped up on him uh, towards the, up the middle, he fields it no problem, steps on the bag, and fires a strike to first base. So really the thing that stuck out to me was the solid defense this team played. Uh, Garrett Mitchell is a guy who who I didn't see him do a ton at the plate. He had a couple hard hits, uh, didn't go for, for much statistically, but you can see that he pounded the ball really well, uh, runs really well, and every time there was a ball hit to him in the outfield, it seemed like he was just settled under it perfectly, taking really good routes. So all around for Orange Lutheran, I'd say the defense really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Tristan Hanoyan. The week that he had just all together, I mean, he played good defense. Obviously, you mentioned he made that the the game clinching, the, the tournament clinching play at the end of the the, uh, the game on Saturday, but also put the ball in play and kind of shot line drives to the gaps and not sure how he's going to go going to fit as a pro prospect per se, but mm-hmm. looks like he could be a really good college player for Texas Christian next year. Yeah. I mean, he, he really stuck out to me well. And when we, when I talked to him after the game, he mentioned how coming to the uh, tournament a few years ago as a freshman, he really didn't like how Lutheran played. I think they won just one game in 2014 when they came back uh, a few weeks before this tournament, he wasn't really 
happy with how his team was uh, taking at bats and how they were swinging the bat before leading into this tournament. But he said he was really impressed with how his team, uh, they kind of, I guess they came together a little bit and started taking less selfish at bats. Uh, and that really came across when Josiah Dixon hit a sack fly. Uh, and I believe it was the sixth inning. Uh, he came into pinch hit. Uh, he was kind of chasing some balls a- across the plate and then he got a-, a fastball up and he just took it into the outfield for a sack fly. And it's those kinds of things that helped them win those, those team at bats. He just knew he needed to put the ball in play in the outfield to score a run. Uh, and he drove across the the third run to help them get the win over uh, Dana Hills, which I mean they played extremely competitively as well, and were right in the ball game the whole time. Yeah, and, and Josiah Dixon, only a sophomore, but looks like he's going to be a pretty good ball player himself. I got the chance to to watch those guys take BP uh, earlier in the week, and the ball was just jumping off his bat. Just a lot of hard line drives, especially to the pull side. Uh, for Josiah Dixon, just a sophomore, but uh, believe he was a 15U national team member uh, last summer. Um, but looks like a a pretty explosive young guy, uh, right-handed hitter. And yeah, you mentioned the coming up clutch there mm-hmm. in the the bottom of the uh, the sixth, I guess that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, th- and that's sort of one of the the things we see often in this tournament is we see. Obviously, we see plenty of, of seniors who are who are draft eligible prospects, um, but we also see a lot of good underclassmen. In mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, we saw Royce Lewis uh, from J. Sarah Catholic out in Southern California come to this tournament and just put on a show. And, and not to say that he wasn't a known uh, commodity before that, but it was sort of like on the national stage to come in and and perform like that really catapulted him to a guy who, who looked like he could be a top-of-the-class type talent yeah, almost you know, pretty I'll, instantly as a sophomore. I'll say a guy that really stood out to me, he's not an underclassman, but Brandon Dieter for uh, South Hills, he's a junior Stanford commit. And uh, he got the ball against Archbishop McCarthy, who is the number one team in the country, according to our top 25 rankings, uh, in the second round of bracket play. Uh, and he told his coach the week before that he wanted the ball against McCarthy. They knew they had a chance to match up against this team. And he wasn't touching, he wasn't bumping up 90 on the radar gun. I think he sat around 85 over seven innings, but he was dealing the entire time against Archbishop McCarthy. There was one point near the end of the game where he retired 11 batters in a row. He struck out six batters, uh, walked just one, and allowed only one run against one of the best lineups in the country. Uh, he had a four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, change-up curveball. And throughout this outing, it really looked like he commanded each of those pitches extremely well. He looked really comfortable. And then to top it off, I mean, as an offensive player, I think he had like six or seven hits throughout the tournament. Yeah, he had seven hits, which is top three just going off of hits. I mean, it's only a couple days, uh, but that really speaks to his talent as a two-way player. And he was really one of the the guys that stood out to me the most. Absolutely. And and you mentioned that sitting around the, that 85, but, you know, bumping up, up to like 87, 88 in that, those early innings when mm-hmm. I was over there um, and, and showed you just outstanding command of the fastball and, and was able to, to locate it down to his arm side or glove side and then bust out the, the sharp three-quarter breaking ball that he had and, uh, you know, showed some change-ups and then uh, had a like a harder breaking ball that he threw mm-hmm. for strikes as well. It was it was a really impressive look for him, and you know, kids, you don't you don't need to throw ninety five to, yeah. to open eyes. I, I, you know, th- this guy. I mean, 
you look at comp- compact arm action, really good athlete on the mound, and filled the zone. Got the job done. Yeah. You know, so it's, you, you you mentioned you know, him as an athlete coming off the mound. There were a couple balls where he he had to come off the mound, and he did it like it was no problem at all. There was like a swinging bunt. Uh, at one point, he bounced off the mound, fielded it cleanly, and made a strong, solid throw to first base. Uh, he actually played first base in the first game against Brother Rice. Their normal first baseman is dealing with some some arm issues right now, so he wasn't able to play. And he really filled that position like he'd be, been playing there his whole life. So it's very apparent how athletic and easy the game comes to Dieter. Uh, so again, yeah, he was just one of the, gu- the guys that stood out to me. But yeah, great point there. Uh, I'm looking at the track man information we have on him and his uh, fastball velocity average 85.8. But like you said, when you have all those other pitches working, you really don't need to be pushing 95 miles an hour to have success. And I imagine there's some projectability with him as well. Sure, really young man, obviously. I mean, just a junior, and and you you look at the athleticism and the ability, not only to spin the ball, but to spin the ball and throw it for strikes. Um, and the other thing that that sticks out to him, to me about Brandon Dieter is, mm-hmm. in the preseason when we had identified South Hills as a, a potential, you know, top scale kind of team. Uh, you know their their head coach Darren Murphy filled out the the head the high school coaches survey that that we do send out every off season mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's got prospects on that team he's got guys who are seniors who are g- going to play good divi- at good Division one schools you look at the shortstop Jacob Amaya who's who's a significant you know pro prospect who had a good week you have John Durth uh, who plays um, who plays first base and pitches for that team was dealing with a little bit of arm stuff. Uh, this week but Carlos Morales the other one and so this is a team with prospects and and then for for Darren on his questionnaire he singled out Brandon Dieter as as sort of the leader of this team Mm -hmm. as an underclassman and I think that really speaks volumes about the kid yeah definitely I mean you mentioned Jacob Amaya uh he he hit the ball pretty well regularly but really stood out to me was his defense up the middle at shortstop I mean, he's not the fastest guy I've ever seen, but he has really quick lateral actions in the infield, very smooth with the glove, uh, really strong throws. I saw a couple off-balance throws that he made no problem uh, and really looked like a solid shortstop out there. You you mentioned Morales. He got the first start of the week for South Hills, uh, and it was kind of an effectively wild type of start from him, I would say, but uh, he held Brother Rice to hitless through the first four innings of the game. he wasn't really getting on top of his curveball as much as he wanted, but when he did get on it a few times, you could see a sharp late break for that ball. So if he can if he can kind of get better at getting on top of that ball regularly, there's a lot of promise with him as well. But like you said, really throughout the whole lineup, there are guys who are really interesting, really talented players. And, I mean, they played well this weekend. They got to the uh, semifinals against Lutheran before dropping 5-3, to three, uh, but really looked strong in every game that I was able to see them. No question, and and sure they, they they took a tough loss and lost in the semifinals of a national tournament this week. But we have not seen the end of uh, of South Hills. They mm-hmm. will, I, I'm sure, they will be uh, forcing our hand in the rankings uh, over mm-hmm. the next uh, several several weeks. They they know that they're a good team, and they go out and compete, and they've got pieces. And I think as you see a team like that. I mean, it's these tournaments are so challenging for for high school teams to go out and play four straight days. Not only just the wear on on these kids' bodies for playing as many games and traveling across the country and not necessarily being used to that, but mm-hmm. also 
you know, running out of arms or, or not necessarily being able to throw your top guys on, you know, whenever you can. So I think this is a team that sticks out as a, a team to watch, especially when they get to the point where they're not going to have to play four days in a row. You, you think of what they can do if they've got to play on back-to-back days or if they have a few days off and you talk about Morales and Dieter on the mound, yeah. that's a pretty good one-two punch. However you want to throw those two guys, however they line up, mm-hmm. that's pretty good high school team. And uh, you mentioned the victory over Archbishop McCarthy and, uh, I think they're probably that's probably the next team we ought to talk about because yeah. obviously they entered the the tournament as as the number one team in the country. Um, you know, three and one for them that's that's not the the best week. Yeah, which <laughs> says not, a lot about them. Like a down week for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Carlos, I guess um, how much of them did you get to see this week, and and sort of what were your impressions of? Uh, of McCarthy, a, a team that's obviously a powerhouse. Yeah, definitely. They were actually the first team that I watched uh, during the week. I watched the uh, McCarthy-Arlington game, and uh, Archbishop McCarthy won that one 3-1. Uh, Joe Perez took the ball in that game, and I actually got a chance to talk to his dad before the, it was the day before the tournament started in BP, uh, and his dad was telling me how Joe had kind of refined his, uh, his mechanics a little bit, uh, wasn't coiling as much in his delivery, got a little more tilt in it. And so they were looking forward to, to seeing how he did with that simplified delivery. And uh, he only threw three innings, but he struck out six batters over those three innings. Was seeing 91-93 with his fastball there, some 94 scattered in there, and touching 95 in his last inning. Uh, and after the game, he, he says that wasn't his best stuff, which for me, it was kind of funny to, to go in there and see a high school kid throwing mid-90s uh, and have him say that wasn't his best stuff. That, that kind of speaks to the talent that Joe Perez had but uh, really the best sequence that I saw from him was in the third inning. Uh, he actually lost his command a bit and, and walked back-to-back batters, but really bounced back. In the next batter, he threw three straight fastballs and got swinging strikes on all three of them and touched 95, which was the highest V-low that we had, we had seen from him that entire game. So I know Perez is kind of a, uh, a guy who people are trying to get some consensus on uh, moving into the draft just because he's he hasn't pitched that long compared to a lot of these guys who are up near the top of the list. Um, but it was a really fun look for me because this is the first time that I've seen him live. Uh, and I think you really see a lot of the talent that he has there. And just that last at-bat was was phenomenal to me. And again, like I said before, after the game, he was talking about how that, that wasn't the best stuff that he's had. So very excited to, to see what he does throughout the rest of the, the high school season. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I know, no I know Terrell was a guy no who question. you were... I didn't touch on Terrell, but really curious to see what you thought of them. You might have get, gotten to see more looks on McCarthy than I did throughout the tournament, but sure, yeah, I, I probably, uh, you know, I had our our staff really, really was great. They would, you know, everybody was letting me know when mm-hmm. the uh, the hitters I wanted to see were were due up, and so I was able to run over to the fields and get get probably about ten at bats of of both Perez and and uh, Terrell. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's interesting that. Um, that Mike Perez had brought that up with, mm-hmm. with, um, with Joe's changes. Cause, cause Joe in the summertime, like you said, he was, he was very, like he would coil his hips and coil his shoulders mm-hmm. and, and kind of like you'd see his head moving up and down a lot throughout that. And so he had the explosive arm speed. He wasn't always synced up. Um, sometimes he'd be a little bit early with his front side and he'd yank his fastballs or, or fly open with that front side. Um, 
But at the NHSI, like you said, was not his best stuff. This is a guy who can, who's been up to 98 mm-hmm. uh, this spring and has shown you uh, a hard upper 80 slider, um, you know, that projects as a plus pitch. And he's, he's a very fresh arm, having only thrown, I think it's about 15 or 16 innings uh, combined as a sophomore and a junior. And so he's, he's at a point right now where he's, um, he's starting to make that progress and starting to really understand who he is on the mound and figure out how to use his body. Um, but so the, the upside with him on the mound is significant. Is you, you have to do a little bit more projection on that one. And, um, you know, that will be one that as scouts get to talk to him and, and get to know him better, we'll uh, continue to understand, you know, just how high that ceiling is. But the other thing with Joe is that uh, the bat, I mean, this, this mm-hmm. guy took, when this guy took batting practice, one of the things I look for in batting practice is the ability to use the opposite field and, and not just use it, but, you know, kind of hit with some authority to the opposite field to stay back and, and punch a ball hard to the opposite field. And that's something that I saw from, from Joe Perez and he stayed back and was, was hitting some, some really authoritative line drives to the opposite field. Obviously he's got significant power um, to the pull side and then in, in one of his at-bats during the, the uh, during the week, he went with an outside pitch, kind of hit a like a high trajectory fly that was like looked like it was it was going to be right around the fence, down to right field, caught a little bit of the wind and and hopped over, went about 350, 340 feet, something mm-hmm. like that. And so, you know, like the you mentioned the point about trying to find consensus with him and it's hard because he's got legitimate offensive tools and legitimate potential with two pitches on the mound so far and he's athletic so it's that's a tough one yeah for sure um were there any other big prospects that you wanted to touch on i know you saw a lot um one of the ones that pop out that popped out to me just with his performance was mason denneberg I know you got to watch his start, and he's really another one of those two-way guys. I feel like there's a ton in this in this class, and really that we've seen lately, a bunch of really talented two-way guys. Are there more than normal in your mind at this point, or is it just me kind of figuring this out as I go along? No, no, I I think you you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of two-way prospects in in this draft class and in this high school class as well. Like we talked, to, we just talked about Joe Perez and Mason Denneberg a 2018 prospect who is very, very exciting mm-hmm. um, with his potential both ways. And um, the other one we saw this week was Hagen Danner. Um, Hagen Danner, probably a little bit more of a, for me right now, he's more of a prospect on the mound. Yeah. Um, but he, he does have some, some real power and uh, compact stroke at the plate and, and just some feel for hitting. Uh, but, you know, on the mound, he was, consistently you know i guess he was probably around 88 92 mm-hmm. touching 93 uh for most of that outing and you can see all of that outing on our site um josh norris shot the whole game from center field mm-hmm. um and so you can go on our site and watch every single pitch that hagen danner threw yeah and one of those uh pitches you'll see is a pretty nasty breaking ball that he had feel for to locate in the strike zone with some some late snapping uh, action to it, so he's legitimate two way. Yeah, I'm Brown glad you. I'm glad you brought up Danner. Just just to touch on Danner yeah. really quick. 
Um, he pitched the Saturday game, and I remember I came out there. That was the first game I watched in the morning. It was 8.30, uh, the end of a long week, and I was pretty tired at this point. And then I see Danner on the mound, and he starts popping the mitt right away, and I was instantly kind of bolted back into action. Uh, you mentioned his curveball. I think that might be the best individual pitch I saw the entire week. And then if you look at the Trackman stuff, the max fastball velocity, uh, Hagen Danner is number four on the list there. Uh, so pretty impressive at 93.4 for max max fastball velo. Um, but not to cut you off, go back to Nick Prado. Sorry about that. Just wanted to, to chime in. No, 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 go. No, that absolutely. <laughs> they, um, that's the, yeah, no, those are good points. Yeah, the, um, yeah, I mean, in, like, yeah, Prado, like, Prado's the legend. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's got, who hit the walk-off uh, winner to bring uh, the Little League World Series championship to California in 2011. Um, and the legend has built uh, <laughs> since then. He's a two-time hero for the 18U national team in gold medals in the uh, the World Cup in 2015 and the uh, Pan Am Games in 2016. Uh, and then, you know, right now he's, he's more of a hitting prospect, um, but he's just because of how good he is. He takes really quality at bats. He rarely, if ever, expands the strike zone. Uh, he can really pull the ball with some authority. He can shoot it to the opposite field. Very strong, balanced guy with, with fluid hands and and uh, loose wrists. But then on the mound, you, you throw him on the mound, he'll pitch 87, 89 with a plus changeup and a ton of command. I think J.J. Cooper had said that he was in his first two innings um, of his start early in the week. He uh, Of the 17 pitches he threw, 16 were strikes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that'll work. This week, I think he threw yeah, nine and yeah. a third innings and struck out nine batters and didn't walk a single batter. So that's pretty impressive for a guy who's yeah, thought he, of as more of an offensive offensive prospect. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a freak, and uh, I mean he's not like. And the thing about him is he's not explosive. He's not like it, it, this. This isn't like eighty bat speed or anything like that, mm-hmm. or crazy arm speed. But what he is is extremely balanced, extremely composed, mature beyond his years. He's been there. He's mm-hmm. been in big situations time and time again and delivered. Uh, and the other thing is like, I mean the the other thing to mention about Prado is. You know, we had him run four three three to first base on a on a four three, and played a little bit of outfield. I didn't get to see him tested out there, mm-hmm. um, but I would certainly not rule out right field as a possibility for this guy, given that he is, a, you know, a capable runner. He's not a douche runner, mm-hmm. um, and he's obviously got arm strength and accuracy and athleticism. And so, if you're looking at him from a pure profile standpoint. Like he's arguably got enough offensive upside to be just a first baseman. I mean, and he's a very good defender at first baseman or at first base, if that's what you want him to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if a team took him and, and put him out in right field and gave him a chance to do that because he has a chance to boost his value a little bit uh, by being able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I got to see him in right field a little bit. Again, I didn't see him have any chances out there. Like you said, I think they moved him back to first base kind of in the middle of the game that I was watching. But I was a little surprised to see them out, out see him in the outfield because I, I didn't know that he played there. Uh, and, and if he can, that, that speaks a little bit to his athleticism. So that'll be interesting to see. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then to get, I guess, bring it back a little bit to that original point you made about two way guys. Like, mm. yes, this, this class is loaded with two way guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just ridiculous. The, uh, you, you look at guys like, um, Jordan Adele or, um, and you can go on our site and read Carlos's feature on Jordan. Yeah, talking to yeah. Jordan was really fun. Like, uh, go, going into that feature before I wrote it, I had just heard nothing but how athletic uh, this kid was. I mean, he's one of the most athletic kids in this entire class. Uh, Steve Bernhardt with the Baseball Factory said that you could definitely make the argument that he is the most athletic player in this class. Uh, but what really struck to me when I was talking to Joe about that is just how much work he's put into being that athletic. Obviously, he's got the... Uh, NFL bloodlines from his father, but he really has worked a lot to especially improve his run times. Uh, he said the first time that he ran the 60 uh, and was timed, it was like around a 7. He's got that all the way down to a 6.19, I believe, at his last timed 60. So this guy is an extremely hard worker. He's he's working out like two or three hours uh, every day of the week, except for like, I, I know his dad told me that he had to tell him he needs to stop and take a break. Like, this kid would keep working every day if he was allowed to. His dad literally has to tell him to stop. But he's a really exciting <laughs> guy. He's he's uh I think he's trying to be or focus more on the position player side of things just because he understands his athleticism and he said he thinks he can impact the game more when he's playing every day out there in center field chasing down balls. He said one of his favorite things to do was to just chase down fly balls uh, and with that kind of range and athleticism, I'm sure it's probably extremely fun to watch as well. Sure. I mean, he's he's a freak athlete. There's just no question about it. The thing is, though, like, it, it's hard to walk away from a guy who's like 92, 94 with a true plus breaking ball like he has. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you like him more uh, on the mound better? Because I know I've heard that his breaking ball might be one of the best pitches in the class as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I would, would prefer him as a position player uh, just because of his – wide variety of tools but mm. uh, i mean i think that you could certainly see it happen and, and like right now we see anthony ghost is going to give it a shot uh, going to go back to pitching a little bit and and that's sort of like uh, i think jordan adele probably has a little bit more explosiveness offensively than anthony ghost had um but i think that's a decent comparison case you look at the guys like aaron hicks or or, or anthony ghost guys who have huge arms and Ghost was mid '90s in high school, mm-hmm. so like you're, you're you're comparing him to like along those lines, like should it not work out for whatever reason? You know, if he's not able to hit at the major league level, that's something that um, we just really can't ever be super certain about for high school guys. Yeah. Um, but should he not work out as a hitter, there's a legitimate future for him as a as a bullpen arm potentially, just because it's. It's a really quick arm. Obviously, he's got a great body and great athleticism on the mound, and it's like a twelve-six hammer. It's like eighty-two, <laughs> eighty-four, yeah. and it it dives late and it has fastball tilt out of the hand. So it's like it's just the athleticism is crazy on that mm-hmm. one. Um, but yeah, and you got him. You got Hunter Green. Hunter Green's the legend himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seventeen-year-old throwing a hundred. And you know, striking the guys out, and just a freakishly athletic delivery, and then playing a decent shortstop. And oh, by the way, you can hit him 450 feet yeah. with 
So yeah, yeah, I actually saw him at the uh, the Perfect Game Classic, and he destroyed everyone in the home run derby. Hit like his first five, just back to back to back to back home runs in the home run derby. Obviously, that's not game, but he really put on the d- display of the raw power there. And obviously, you know about the arm. I mean, all these guys hitting and pitching it's ridiculous how they can seemingly do it all with ease yeah and and it extends to the college side as well like today we're recording this on sunday evening Uh, today i just saw uh louisville against virginia i saw adam hazley throw seven strong innings for virginia and he's more of a prospect as a center fielder with a bat but um dynamic athlete and very good athlete on the mound as well. And then Brendan McKay, who did not pitch today, um, but, you know, looks like he's uh, almost right now, it would be shocking if he got out of the, the top five mm-hmm. uh, in the draft and saw him today, uh, you know, pull a, a ground ball down the, the right field line. Um, I, I should say first base line. It kind of skipped past the diving Pavin Smith there at yeah. first base. And then, um, then he, he goes backside with uh, a hard line drive down the third baseline for a double. So, like, this guy's just a really, really good-looking hitter. Um, not can, not unanimous uh, that he's he's more of a hitter than a pitcher, but uh, I would say at this point the consensus, if you talk to, talk to ten scouts, you probably get six, maybe seven, will say uh, that they prefer him as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um but then that said, there are teams who pick extremely high in the draft who are believed to be in on him more as a pitcher. So there's that, that two-way thing. We're going to be talking about that a lot uh, as the draft uh, comes closer and some of these guys start to distinguish themselves a little bit in one way or the other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Carlos, I guess um, – and then and I guess to wrap that up, mm-hmm. uh, with Mason Denneberg, who is one of the early guys you mentioned – uh, this is a guy who came out and, and shoved it for six innings, and yeah. it was, you know, really good projectable body and athletic delivery, uh, filled the zone 91-93 early on, settled in in sort of that 88-91 range, uh, spun a, a sharp mid-70s, low to mid-70s breaking ball, and then threw some really good right-on-right change-ups uh, with look like maybe a, maybe sort of like a football grip on the changeup mm-hmm. and that he was getting on the side of a little bit and uh, just had feel for it and located it and and this is the guy who's who's a uh, apparently the the quarterback of his high school team mm-hmm. he he catches when he doesn't pitch like this is it will be an exciting player for us to uh, to bear down on uh, this coming summer as we start to do our research for the 2018 class. Um, yeah. Bringing it back to but, this class, um, yeah. not to cut you off, but I feel like Hans Krauss is a guy we haven't talked about, and he's a dude that is obviously a big name. And if you look at the Trackman stuff, his name is all over it for the pitcher. He had the uh, highest max fastball velocity at 97.2. He was second in max fastball spin rate at a uh, little above 2,600. And then max breaking ball spin rate as well. There's Hans Krauss's name at number three at 2,900. Uh, I didn't get to see his start. I saw him hit a walk-off in the semifinals against uh, Winder Barrow as a hitter. But did you get to see any of him as a pitcher? I mean, it seems like he was doing everything for uh, Dana Hills this tournament. Yeah, I, I, I sat on the, the start that he made uh, against uh, Jacob Heatherly, the left-hander from Coleman, um, who we'll talk about, I guess, after, after Hans. But... 
like the thing that sticks out probably the most about Hans Kraus is his competitive fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a kid who's just so passionate out there and it, it's really, I, I, I think it's admirable to see a kid who really gives it his all and is going to live and die by the, the result. Um, but you know, he comes right after guys, he stares hitters down. He, he you know, he's a, he's a very pleasant kid, you know, when the game's not happening, but he's got fire. He, I wouldn't want to be in the box against this guy. No. I mean, <laughs> he looks, he looks like he wants to kill you. I mean, it's like he's, and he's comes right at guys with a fastball. Some of the radar guns behind home plate had 98 in the first inning. And, uh, you know, not the best command, but control. I mean, he was around the zone with his fastball. Um, a really, really good breaking ball. Looks like an above average or a plus pitch at the next level. Um, more top to bottom action on it uh, this time around than than uh, last summer when it was it was more of a a, a sweeper. Kind of throws from. I mean, the, the way this guy throws is going to draw scrutiny always, mm-hmm. and and when he's in the minor leagues and uh, is, is going to be talked about as a prospect for um, the next few years, he'll probably be. Um, You'll see him. My guess is every single year in his write-up, uh, you'll see something about his violent mechanics and his likelihood of ending up in a relief role. Yeah. Um, just because of sort of how he, he the way he his arm action works is sort of like the way when his hands break, uh, it, it's sort of like a deep arm swing in the back uh, with like his arm like bending at like a. 90 degree angle and his his back elbow coming up real high uh and then he he slings it through like a slightly lower uh three-quarter slot and uh comes finishes across his body uh with recoil in his arm um and that that's what was interesting to me to see him uh stay really on top of his breaking ball and and generate that 12-6 action on it uh, as often as he was able to just because he was like I said, he's like a lower three quarter slot. And, mm-hmm. and that, that sort of like made sense in the summer when you saw that, like that breaking ball kind of go with his arm slot. Um, and he threw a couple changeups, not, not yeah. a ton, but um, used it to, to uh, bail himself out against lefty hitters. You had um, Jacob Heatherly, who's, who's more of a prospect on the, the mound himself, um, but left-handed batter who was jumping all over Hans's fastball early on and smoked two line drives off of him. Uh, and then Hans goes at him and gets him with the, the change up down and away, gets him to fly out. Um, but then you mentioned the, the champion or the, uh, the, in the tournament, <laughs> this guy, like, you know, given his history, I kind of like, I was, I was half joking, but in the beginning of that that inning, when they uh, when Dana Hills did walk off, I was oh no, like, you can, you can't uh, you can't be uh, modest about this. You definitely called this. I'll go ahead and give you the credit for it. You hundred percent called what happened. But go ahead. But yeah, I mean, so, so like I was half joking because I was like, <laughs> Hans is going to walk it off because like he, there was like I think he was like up fifth or sixth in that inning. Yeah, you had to get the bases like, loaded and two no one out for him to get up. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he had he had hit a line drive to the opposite field uh, in his first step bat of the game uh, to give Dana Hills a two nothing lead, and then like he kind of hit like this soft, not hard, <laughs> uh, gr- uh, fly fly ball to right, uh, low line drive just past the diving second baseman, mm-hmm. and he uh, he throws up his arms and 
and looks back and what sees all his teammates charging after him. Oh, it was yeah. pretty. It was pretty hilarious. Awesome after the game, yeah. he was saying he he rounded first base and, and the way his his team knew it was a walk off pretty much right when they hit it. They were already running up and out to to kind of celebrate with him. But the route they took was kind of right up the baseline behind Hans, and he rounds first base and doesn't see anyone. And he he tells us after the game that he was about to go back to first because he thought that he didn't have a walk-off right away. But he, tur- <laughs> he turns around to go back and sees him and just throws his helmet off and starts celebrating. It was a great moment. And and yeah, from, from talking to Hans, from just watching him play, seeing him on the field, uh, his intensity is, is easily, it, it's extremely apparent. And it's fun mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. And and I think with that, I mean, we, we have to get ready for the, the high school top 25 conference call. Uh, so we'll probably probably wrap this one up but um carlos any any final thoughts uh, on the nhsi um before we go here uh well i'd just say that if you have a chance to come watch this tournament uh if that's a if that's a thing that you can feasibly make happen you should definitely do it uh with with a lot of the high school guys it's kind of in a showcase situation but these kids these teams are really trying to win this tournament so you get to see a really cool competitive environment uh from everything I've heard, this has been one of the strongest fields we've had in this tournament. Uh, so you're going to see not only a bunch of really good good games, but a, a bunch of players who are in the future could be stars uh, on major league teams or really good players in college. So uh, it was a super fun tournament, uh, and I'm really excited to have to have been able to to watch all these games and to talk to these players. Absolutely, no question. I. I... Ditto on everything you just said. And and uh, to wrap it up, uh, you can follow uh, myself at Hudson Bolinski or Carlos at Carlos A. Colazzo. Uh, Colazzo spelled C-O-L-L-A-Z-O. Uh, and you can head over to BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, and we have plenty of content on the NHSI. We have 32 game re- recaps. Uh, early this week, you'll be able to see our all NHSI team. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's plenty of content video on there. You can watch all of Hagen Danner starts, uh, and we'll have plenty of draft content coming up, uh, over the coming weeks and months. So for Carlos Colazzo, I'm Hudson Belinsky. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.